Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Oh, it's good to know because a lot of strange things happen in our lives in this world to know that there is a God, (laughs) Jesus Christ, who rules above it all. Speaking of strange, and this is the last uh, teaching in this strange series, Uh, I had something strange happen. I googled the word weaknesses, and guess what filled up the first page and most of the second page? It was all about people going for job interviews. I I thought I googled the wrong word. Check, no, weaknesses. There it is. Filling up the whole Google discussion on the first two pages. It was all about people going for a job interview. You know, and you get asked that question, what are your strengths And what are your weaknesses? And so, you know, people were offering all kinds of advice for that. Can you imagine going for a job interview? And because everyone knows, right? Everyone has weaknesses, except when you go for a job interview. And so, I mean, it'd just be ridiculous for someone to go to a job interview and just blurt out when they say, what are your weaknesses? Well, you know, I, I'm insecure. I get jealous. I, I show up late for work. I'm lazy. I mean, it's just not going to happen, you know? Or I really struggle with anger especially when I'm rejected, so I hope I don't get rejected in this job interview. I could, I could go violent. <laughs> uh, you know. And then there were other times where people were sort of coaching one another how to respond to weaknesses uh, question in a job interview. What, what are your weaknesses? Well, I, I'm an overachiever, you know? I work too hard. <laughs> I have a problem taking credit. I give credit to all my coworkers. You know, just all these things, they get there. But, but you know what? I did get something out of that search about weaknesses because it revealed this. Here's what the Google pages revealed, that people do not want their weaknesses revealed, especially in their job interview. You know, it's true. Every one of us have weaknesses we don't want others to know about. Temptations, for instance. I remember I was with a group of junior high uh, boys and they were told, you can ask Pastor Keith anything you want. And we were having good Q&A time. And one of them was rather shy and worked up his courage. And he said, Pastor Keith, do you ever get tempted? I said, oh, yes. I'm tempted to lie sometimes, um, to lust after a girl, and, and, and uh, tempted to want to get someone back when they hurt me. Because you see, it's not, a, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's what we do with that temptation that determines whether it becomes sin or not. You know, uh, it's the direction we go with it. You know, but, but how many have ever been tempted and then it's like you become aware of these voices in your head that pile on and just push you to go the damaging direction in that moment of temptation. And then sometimes there's these voices in our head that 
that just accuse us of not being good enough. You know, we either are reliving something that a significant person in our life said to us that faulted us, or we messed up ourselves and we're just beating ourselves up royally and just, just can't shake it. And, there's, and then these voices in our head just, yeah, and you failed there and, there, and, and you're no good. And, and it just starts pushing us down. Where do those voices come from? And have you ever been lied to about your worth? You know, it just won't stop going over and over in your head. And I mean, it can get really tragic for some people because, uh, you know, I've been with enough people and how I hate, I can't tell you how much I, I hate those voices that tell a person that, you know, they're not worth much and life is not worth living. Where do those voices come from that are, oh, it's like they're out for our destruction, how to ruin the good in our lives and, and steal the potential of our future. Uh, and then there are those voices when, when someone hurts us. <laughs> and we struggle with those voices. You, you got to get them back. You resent them. You start to imagine bad things happening to them. And it would be good if bad things did happen to them. You can get anger. And, and you can even let hatred compound in your heart. And, and that's where bitterness can get in there. And it's like these voices just pile on. Like vultures just making a... A bad conversation in our head go in a, a very destructive and damaging direction. What are those voices in our head? You know, we're, we're going to see something really strange in this teaching time, but it's real. When we struggle with temptations, accusations from others or our own in our head and, and lies about ourselves and our future, we're actually in a struggle, not just with our thoughts, but with, listen powers of darkness. They're, they're called demons. As a matter of fact, we have to just look back at a, a series Pastor Jonathan introduced, and he used this verse. Let's look at that verse from a book in the Bible called Ephesians, written by the Apostle Paul, and it says this in chapter 6, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, in the Stranger Things series, were you with us for that series? We saw that it's not just the cosmos, not just the world. There's this Uranus and there's this heavenly realm that, that this talks about, these heavenly places. It's an unseen room. And evil rule, evil rulers or demons are out there. You read in the Gospels, listen, when you read in the Gospels, Jesus would set people free by his truth, right? You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. But Jesus also set people free from demons. It's, they're called unclean spirits, they're called uh, demons, and uh, they're also called evil spirits. And Jesus would free people from them. Why? Because those demons were trying to destroy people that Jesus loved and he wanted the best for. The apostle Peter said that that same strange experience would happen to every one of us as we live in this world. He said, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. <laughs> he, look at the illustration he uses. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. 
Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Notice he uses the illustration of a, of a roaring lion looking for someone to devour because lions are known that they, if they can find a weak animal of a, of a herd or a flock or whatever they're, they're seeking to, to get for supper, if they can just get the weak one, the one that falls behind, the, the weak one. It goes after the weakness of a person. That's what the Apostle Peter uses in the illustration here. And, and, and he says he'll just move in for the kill. He's like a vulture looking for prey. It's like when we struggle with temptation. Now, how does it, we can entertain a thought, Right? But then we decide where we're going to go with it. And that's when it becomes damaging and sinful when we, we start to go in that direction. We can entertain and thought Jesus was tempted, but Jesus did so without sinning. We can be tempted, but it's when we entertain it and then we start to battle with it. And before you know it, we're negotiating with those voices in our head. Ever been there? And then we, um, we get to a place where we're, we're dragged into it by these unseen powers, it's just like there are real demonic powers involved. Think about the times you've been tempted. It's just like something, something evil, something that didn't want the best for you got involved in that conversation. Or it can happen when we mess up. And accusations, just they just come in and they rob us of our confidence, our security, our joy, and we become a prisoner. You know, it especially happens when we, we think about how we're going to get someone else back because they hurt us, we're going to hurt them back, and we begin to stay there, and we get a lot of evil help in our heads that just are, are trying to help us get dragged away to how we can hurt that person. And of course, the danger is we get dragged away and become a prisoner of bitterness. It's exactly what Peter's referring to. So it says, stay alert. There are real powers of evil that are out there to get you. What are they after? Jesus said. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. To steal the position that God alone rightfully has in your life. To, to kill your confidence and your potential, the good things in your life. The, and, then, and then to destroy your future. Anything that, that's that's right and, and beautiful and creative in your life to, to get those things for, for himself. That's exactly what, and Jesus says, I've come to destroy the works of the devil. I've come to destroy them. And as soon, now look, as soon as we start teaching about demons, you know what happens? I think Pastor Matt referred to it earlier. People can go to two different extremes. They can, they can first of all say, this is too strange. This is way too strange. And, and, and then they just deny it. Deny, deny demonic and the evil supernatural realm. And so they stroll off into the minefield of life on a broken planet and then keep wondering why they get their spiritual legs blown off. And then, then, then there are those that get, uh, they don't deny it. Matter of fact, they're, they're right into it. They see everything as a spiritual battle. The devil and demons become very convenient because they can blame everything that goes wrong in their life. Every weakness they have, they can just say, well, that's just the devil. You know, their computer crashes. I rebuke you, computer. They're, they go 
driving down the road and there's three red lights in a row and they say, oh, there, there's some demon out there needs to be rebuked. You know? Every time they encounter a problem, they rebuke it. Every time they encounter a weakness in themselves, they try to cast it out. And they become so demon conscious that, listen to me, they become uh, unconscious of the position, the rightful position of Jesus in life. Now, now most of us, are, we're not going to either of those two extremes. <laughs> most of us are just going through life. We're busy. We have demands. We're trying to do our best to even to, to live for Jesus. And um, we're not looking for any devil or any demons. But then when we experience temptations and we, we, we just sense that draw, that dragging away, or when we... Um, have those discouraging thoughts in our head that just are relentless. They just persist. They won't give up. Or we have those nasty thoughts about others, especially those who hurt us, and, and we struggle. And then there, there are times that just stuff just goes wrong, and where's that coming from? And that coming from, it just compounds. And you reach a point and you say, look, is there something more going on here? You know, you look at the destruction, the wars, the violence throughout human history. It just makes you wonder, is there some evil power that's out there that's trying to make the human brokenness condition even worse? You know, those thoughts in my head, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus doesn't want that for me. Jesus doesn't want my life going in that direction. And so we, we all are in this, this struggle that, the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul and, and Jesus talked about this struggle with, with demons, unclean spirits, evil spirits that are, that are there in this, in this life that we live. And you know, there are three no's, all right? Three no's, not N-O's, three K-N-O-W's, three no's that really help me here, all right? Three no's. Here, here, the secret is these three no's, all right? Know my weakness, know my enemy, know my Jesus, all right? Those are the three no's. And the secret is, is just knowing how much to know about each no. All right, you'll, you'll see what I mean. All right, for instance, know your weakness enough to own them so you can be free of them. Know your weakness enough to own them so you can be free of them. Watch this now. Listen to this. Demons do not give you your weaknesses but they sure know how to take advantage of the weaknesses that you and I give into. <laughs> you know, Ephesians talks about, you know, if you have angers or weaknesses, in your anger, do not sin. It's just normal emotion to be angry about injustice, but when we get selfish and we go uh, destructive places for ourselves and think wrongly towards others in our anger. It says, you're giving the devil a foothold. In your anger, do not sin. Do not give the devil a foothold. What's a foothold? A foothold is a place to stand. It's an inroad. Just, just enough, you got enough of a foothold so you can take the next step. You know, it's like when you linger with lust in your thoughts. How many know there's a difference between a glance and a gaze, right? And then when you when you provide a safe haven for hatred in your head, it just, it'll fester into bitter poison in your spirit. Now, 
the good news is, of course, you just look at the other side of that. If in your anger you do not sin, then you do not give the devil a foothold. But James says it this way. He writes about this in the Bible. He says, each person is tempted when they are dragged away. <laughs> See, you start negotiating and entertaining it and, and staying in that headspace of thinking, well, I could go that way, you know, that I'm being tempted to go. They're being dragged away by their own evil desire and entice. So in other words, you don't get dragged away until you take a desire and make it evil. That's when you get dragged away. You know, I used to have horses when I was a teenager in Halifax, and we had this trunk that my dad had from his uh, horse raising days. And, and uh, we just kept putting a harness and heavy stuff, all kinds of stuff in that trunk. And, uh, and it got so that when I went to clean the stable, I couldn't even move that trunk. So we put handles on it. No problem. Big rope handles. And those, with those rope handles, we could move it. We could put it wherever we wanted to. That's an illustration about your weaknesses and my weaknesses. Our weaknesses are like handles. They give the evil powers something to get a hold of. When we have uh, a temptation or something that we just give into, or we think about hurting someone back, it, it, it's an evil desire. Justice is good, but to go about it in a wrong way, it, uh, it, it's, it's not good. It's not good for us. It's not good, obviously, for the other person. And so, so it, we're getting dragged away. We're being enticed. Now, if there's no handles, there's nothing there to get a hold of to manipulate, you see. See, if we, if we can get rid of these weaknesses, we don't have handles for the demons to get a hold of, to drag us around and to manipulate us. In your weak areas, do not sin. Do not sin. Don't give the devil something to get a hold of. Do you see the upside, though? If there's nothing for the powers of darkness to get a hold of, then they can't move you. So, obviously, then how, how do we get free of our weaknesses? <laughs> Here's the scriptural prescription for getting rid of weaknesses, all right? Put to death, therefore. Put to death, therefore. Sometimes it says, talking about a whole list of evil desires, other lists in the Bible, it'll say, crucify selfishness. It, 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 it'll say, get rid of them. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Notice what you, you, you don't, do. You don't deny your weaknesses. You don't minimize them. You don't say, oh, everyone has weaknesses. You know, just minimize them. I remember one lady said, I can resist everything except temptation. <laughs> and you certainly, you don't cast them out. You don't cast, I hear people say, I cast you out, you demon of pride. This in the Bible tells you, if you've got pride, you, you take care of it yourself. It says, you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and then you resist the devil and he will flee from you. Do you see that? Successful resisting of the devil starts with successfully humbling yourself. Don't cast out demons of selfishness. It's up to you to, to deny, to, to crucify them, to, to put them to death. We don't rebuke a, a demon of hatred. We, we fill our hearts with, with, with love. Listen, never forget this. Casting out demons is not a shortcut to replace the hard work 
of humility, forgiveness, and love. Listen, like you, I've had my share of circumstantial setbacks and people letdowns, right? I, I've had my share of mistreatment, injustices, and hurts in my life, and, and my own personal mess-ups. You say, well, what are they? Well, none of your business. <laughs> but I've had my share too. But listen, I, I can tell you this. I've told people this one-to-one -one so many times. I've never faced any battle in my head that I couldn't win victory over through one, of three, one or more of these three responses. Humility, forgiveness, and gratitude. Humility, why? Listen, humility, pride, selfishness, lust, and greed cannot exist in a headspace of humility. If I'm humble, those things are just, they're just cleansed away. Forgiveness, forgiveness. Contempt, jealousy, anger, bitterness, any of those handles that the devil could get a hold of to drag me away and to try and destroy my life and other people's lives, any of those things, they cannot remain in my heart if I forgive people the way that Jesus forgives me. And gratitude, <laughs> listen, discontent, discouraging thoughts, judgmentalism, negativity, they're all flushed out when my heart is filled with, with gratitude for the goodness of God in my life, the blessings of Jesus in my life. Humility, forgiveness, and gratitude, they, they just free us up. L listen to the Apostle Paul. Listen, he, listen, you think the Apostle Paul didn't have weaknesses? Just listen to him. He says, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Where would we be with our weaknesses without Jesus showing us the way to, and having the power for us to be free from them. But humility, forgiveness, and gratitude just frees us up. And so, and so we, we, we understand then, we, we need to know our weaknesses enough to own them and get freed from them. All right, secondly, no. Here's another no. Know your enemy enough to position yourself to defeat him. The word know here means know about. <laughs> know your enemy. Know about your enemy. You know, one advantage of getting older as a follower of Jesus is you see the decisions people make and you see the long-term outcomes because you've lived long enough to sort of say, oh, they chose to go in that direction. Look at what it led to. And I've seen uh, people who focus a lot on knowing about the devil and demons. <laughs> they end up being the people that are in the most bondage to exactly what they're focusing on. I've seen Christians and churches who, who specialize in deliverance ministry. Uh, they, they, they become known for it and they start to feel superior to other Christians and churches who aren't into it as much as they are. And, and, and they see everything as 
needing deliverance from a demonic power. Even uh, mental illness gets blamed on the devil. It's just hurt and damaged so many people's lives. Sometimes the brain is an organ that needs healing so many times. Sometimes there's an obstruction in the brain. But people, you know, because it's in the brain, they say and do strange things. And then people say, oh, look at that. that that's, that's demonic. They become so demon conscious that they, they become unconscious of Jesus Christ. I've seen Christians in a, in a place, they just spend years focused so much on darkness, they listen, they lose their joy and their peace and their love for others. And they become even, even miserable. And they can't enjoy the good things that God wants them to be blessed with. Do you know why they end up in bondage? Do you know how they get there? Listen to me. By giving the devil exactly what he wants. A position in their heads. And in their lives, they're giving the devil attention. It's exactly what he wants. Whether he deserves it or not, it doesn't matter. He's, he's, he, he, he's getting attention. A position that rightfully belongs to who? To Jesus. Jesus is so straight with people. He says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. But he said, there's one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal that position that rightfully belongs to God. Listen, never, ever, ever, ever get to a place where you give anyone in your life the position that only Jesus is worthy of. Only he is worthy. Jesus in the Gospels, have you ever noticed you read the Gospels? He had very little to do with demons. And when they showed up, He's helping someone. It's very instructive for us to see Jesus dealing with demons. He basically just identified them when they were there and told them to get lost. No headspace. No, no extra time given to them. No spotlight. Just who you, are you and get out. Jesus had very little time for demons. You know, for, uh, I remember my first day coming home from my new junior high school, Clayton Park Junior High in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And I was coming home on the first day carrying a pile of books and assignments and stuff. And, and I, I, I was in a hurry to get home. And I was coming around the corner onto Evans Avenue, and there was this uh, corner lot, you know, the, the neighbor's lot. And, and there was this, if I just took this shortcut across the grass, I could get to my house quicker. And so I, I, I just went up on the grass, up on their property, and walked across. I took the shortcut, and um, I didn't see the dog. <laughs> And until it was coming and snarling at me and my put, you know, it just put chills on my chilies. You know what I'm saying? It just, and I just, I just ran for, for, to get off that property. And, and, and I, right when the, the dog, I was sure, was just about to devour me like a lion after its prey, <laughs> after its weak prey, right then. That's when the chain that was attached to that dog snapped back and he could go this far, but he could not go any further. And, and that's, that's that day I learned not to take shortcuts, but also, listen to me, to walk in the position where I belonged. It was safe there. It, you know, no, no roaring lion or snarling dog could get me there and no demon can get you when you, when you walk with Jesus 
and you take your stand in him. Isn't that what we saw in the Titanium series over the summer? When the day of evil comes, we don't negotiate with the enemy. We belong to the one that defeated the enemy and we stand strong in him. When we're hit with temptation, we don't negotiate. We turn to the one who defeated the tempter. When we're accused and we have lies in our heads that discourage us and they won't hush up, we just drown them out with what is more true, what Jesus says about us and his forgiveness of us. We, we're sort of like the boy who, when he was tempted, said this. He said, get behind me, Satan, and don't you dare push. <laughs> All right, so, so we know our enemy, but just enough to position ourselves to defeat him. And then third, and third, know Jesus intimately and grow in him increasingly. Now, we've been using the word know in different ways. Let's just stop and just take a look. We've talked about knowing your weakness, right? That means be aware of it. Know what your weaknesses are. So that's one use of the word know. There's another use of the word know. Know your enemy, but know about your enemy. It's not like you get close to you, but know intimately. There's a Greek word that the New Testament is translated from the Greek language into English, and we use the word know, but, but the word is gnoskine. And it, and it means to know intimately. It means to know intimately. It, it's, it's, it's a knowing that comes when you do life with someone. It's used in other Greek literature to describe the closeness of a husband and wife in a loving marriage relationship where the two become one. That's, that, that's a knowing. That's a knowing. Now, you know, some, if I meet you, you know, mask or no mask, I meet you and you say, do you know, do you know a little Italian? I'll say, yeah, I know a little Italian. Her name is Esther. It's my wife, you know. But if, um, I, I won't say this. I won't say this. Yeah, I, I know uh, Esther. I know about her. I, I, I know who she is. I won't say that. I know Esther. After 40-some years of marriage, I, a, a loving relationship, I, I know that friend. I know that person in my life. I know them. It's not a matter of saying, yeah, I'm aware of her. Yeah, I, I know about her. Uh, remind me of a story of a pastor friend of mine who was on an airplane going to a conference and he was getting into his seat and a few seats back as people were getting settled, a woman spoke up and she said, oh, I know you. And he looked at her and he couldn't remember. He said, oh, I'm sorry, I can't remember. And, and, and she said, I know. She said, because pastors, when they talk about officiating at a wedding, if they officiate at someone's wedding, they married them off. They married. She said, she says, I, I remember you married me 33 years ago. And he still couldn't remember her. And so another woman on the airplane spoke up and she said, you mean to tell me that you married her 33 years ago and you can't even remember her? You know, see, there's a difference in knowing. There's a, that close relationship. That's what's being spoken of here. An experiential knowledge. Listen to the place that the Apostle Paul got to after he followed Jesus for years. And he writes this. He says, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing 
Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's not talking about knowing about or being aware of him or having studied Christology. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Talk about that closeness. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ. That's that, good notes, guy. That's that intimacy. You want to defeat demons <laughs> in your life? Know, increasingly know and love and trust and follow and, and listen to his, the teachings of the one who defeats our enemy with a 100% success rate. Increase not your demon consciousness or knowledge, but increase your, your, your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Refuse to give demons your, your headspace, but give that headspace to Jesus and fill it with his truth about his power and his blessing and his goodness and his authority that he has given to you in his name. You know, some of you still ask me about how uh, is your building project up in the Perry Sound area. You know, we're on this little lake and the reality is that my wife and I are in the process of selling the cottage so we can build something smaller, easier to take care of on a lot right beside uh, the cottage that we had built. Now, the part of that process, though, is finding, because there's an underground power cable that we need to tie into to get power to our new uh, building project. And the problem is you can't see where the underground cable is. So you don't know where it's safe to dig. You don't know where to dig to put in the foundation or to build anything else until one day the hydro company came and they marked, you can see these marks here, they marked the underground cable where the power was. And right away, when you knew where the power was, the fear was gone. You felt, well, I, as long as I know where the power is, I can just build anywhere else. I can build fearlessly. I can dig anywhere. And I remember going up to Wester and I said, I got an illustration for what I want to tell the people that weekend when I speak on demons. And it is this, when you know where the power is, you know where the power isn't. You see it? You see it? I'm saying to you today that Jesus has all the power. He is the only one that is worthy of the ultimate headspace in your life. And when you know where the power is, you know where it isn't. So let's say we're going to be people who specialize in knowing Jesus. Only he has the power to build good things in our life. Only he has what it takes to open up the future before us supernaturally and every temptation and every accusation and every lie, we can defeat them because we know where the power is and therefore we know where the power is not. That's exactly why Jesus told us to pray. When asked how to pray, he told his followers, pray this, deliver us from the evil one, right? Lead us not into temptation. No shortcuts. <laughs> no short Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power. And the God. we listen, listen, we're going to go out and have a good week this week because when you know where the power is, you know where the power isn't. Let's pray about this together.
Lord, you know our every weakness. And right now, in this place of prayer, we don't deny or minimize our weaknesses, but neither do we let the devil have any position. <laughs> no grip, no hold on our weaknesses. We humble ourselves and we confess we have weaknesses to you and we want to forgive others as you forgive us. Thank you for freeing us again and again and again. And Holy Spirit, of God, you promised you would help us in our weaknesses. Spirit, this week, when you see people, and there are people that are praying with me right now, Jesus, who, who are struggling with lies, accusations, temptations, stuff's going on in their circumstances and in their headspace, and they can just feel, feel just that, that pushed down, that weighted down. There's just something the evil powers are trying to uh, vulturistically take advantage of, and we pray right now that they would take their stand in you who defeat everything that comes against us, Lord. We take a, thank you that no weapon formed against us will succeed. Thank you, Lord. And so we begin, we begin this week as specialists, Lord. We specialize in knowing you. <laughs> we know the where the power is. And so we know where it isn't. And we're going to specialize in, in living for and loving and growing increasingly in the one who has all power. And so listen, if you're praying with me and you know this part of the prayer, say it aloud and together with me. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power forever and ever. Amen and Amen. And may the grace and the truth and the power of Jesus be yours this week. Amen. Love you. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.